I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. Supervisor Raphael Mandelman this week got unanimous backing from his board colleagues to open safe sleeping sites for homeless people. This would be a way to get encampments off busy city sidewalks where people can't walk past and keep their social distance. The safe sleeping sites would put tents six feet apart in large empty spaces like parking lots, parks, and school grounds during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mandelman wants these camps to have bathrooms, hand-washing stations, and staff on hand 24-7. And he wants them to be open by mid-May. Supervisor Mandelman, welcome to the podcast. What specific sites do you have in mind for these camping sites? Well, um, a lot of different sites have been mentioned, and I think uh, city staff are exploring a number. You know, I've heard uh, Transbay Terminal, um, or as uh, the sort of the Transbay Terminal site um, that they've been using as as one. Um, there's been talk about Kizar or um, uh, the McDonald's parking lot in the Haight or the DMV. Um, in my district, um, Everett Middle School has a large uh, parking lot. Um, sort of slash playground. Um, and that seems like a site that could accommodate, you know, between 30 and 50 tents. And um, uh, so that's one, that's the one that we're looking at in upper market. Cool. And um, many neighborhoods, especially the Tenderloin are seeing tents just packing their sidewalks. There's over 300 in the Tenderloin now giving people no space to pass by safely with social distancing. Would moving to the safe camping sites be mandatory for homeless people sleeping in the Tenderloin and elsewhere, or would it be voluntary? Well, this is going to be a complicated negotiation, I think, among uh, the departments of public health, the police, supervisors, the community. Um, I think that if we are offering people a safe place to be, um, we should not be allowing, uh, you know, large gatherings of unsafe encampments. Um, that's my position. Um, you know, I don't know that I don't know that the Department of Public Health agrees. Um, they've, you know, given the direction that tents are not to be disturbed. Um, you know, I, I think the re- we should we should start trying this on a voluntary basis. I, I think there are a lot of folks who might be willing to move into a sanctioned encampment, um, particularly if it offers, you know, uh, bathroom, uh, hand washing, food and safety. Um, and then I think let's try that first and see what the situation looks like. And if we really do have a core of folks who are unwilling to move and continue to be a nuisance for the neighborhood, then I think we, we deal with that in in a different way. Mm -hmm. And you've said these sites should open by mid May. Do you think that soon enough considering our shelter in place rules are only extended right now through May 31st? Oh, it's not nearly soon enough. I think as a practical matter, it's as soon as it can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think the shel- you know, our shelter in place rules are extended till May 30th, but I think the um, issues around needing social distancing and not being able to use our shelters to their full capacity are going to persist for months. So yeah. I think we're going to need uh, sites where we can allow people to socially distance, find shelter, um, and and not be an excessive burden on the surrounding community. Um, for many, many months to come. And I, I, I think even many months from now, I don't think that we're going to be able to house, uh, we're going to provide, be able to provide a hotel room for every unhoused person in San Francisco. I just think that's unrealistic. And if we were doing that, we would basically be saying we were going to be providing a hotel room for every unhoused person in the Bay Area because people would get the memo and they would come. Yeah, the mayor actually addressed that issue yesterday, saying that yep. the hotels would not be provided for anyone who's not who wasn't already homeless in San Francisco. 
Are you hearing that people are actually coming here looking for a hotel room? I have heard that. Uh, I've heard that in th- through um, through outreach teams, and I've heard it uh, coming out of um, emergency services. Uh huh. And um, if these camps exist for months, what would you imagine would happen to them after that? When you know the virus is not hopefully as much of an issue, or maybe we have a vaccine, um, would they just be dismantled and people are sent on their way, or how would they? Eventually, that resolve. would be a bad scenario, um, and and I've I've said this to Jeff Kaczynski and to folks in the mayor's administration. Like, it cannot be that when we dismantle, say, an Everett encampment, that people are just um, asked to leave the parking lot. We need to transition each of those people to some other location, whether it's a shelter bed or a, a sanctioned encampment that's been identified somewhere else. Um, but we cannot go back. I, you know, when we come out of this. We should not be going back to the way things were. Um, the way things were wasn't acceptable. And so um, it's gotten, surely it has gotten worse, but our goal should not be just to, you know, restore things the way they were in February because that was not okay. Yeah. And I heard that a homeless woman died on the steps of Everett Middle School yeah. a few days ago. Have you learned any more of that yeah. incident and what happened? Yeah, so she is uh, someone who had been, um, you know, camping in the neighborhood and was known by other uh, unhoused people there. Um, she, it sounds like, had an, an underlying health condition, and it also sounds like uh, the homeless outreach team had tried to bring her in and get her to seek medical treatment, and um, and she had declined. Um, that at least that is what was recounted to me by a guy in the street who said he was one of her friends. Um, so she, it's a very sad story. I'm not sure that a sanctioned encampment would have saved her, but, um, but it might be that 24 seven staffing would have been able to, you know, engage with her in a way that a a hot outreach team that is out there once a week can't. Yeah. And your colleague supervisor, Sandra Fewer has teamed up with you and proposed adding safe camping sites to parks, like perhaps Golden Gate Park or other city parks. Do you support that? Yes. I mean, I think it's sort of, you know, all hands on deck. We should look at every potentially good idea. Um, we have a, we have dual public health crises. We have the, you know, our, our, our homeless problem and we have now the pandemic. Um, and I think, you know, looking at, uh, we have a ton of parkland in the city and we got a lot of, we got a lot of surface parking and somewhere between those two things. Um, we should be able to find sites for everyone to be, um, that is not the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And there's been um, some big disputes between some of your colleagues on the board and the mayor over whether we're getting enough homeless people into vacant hotel rooms. There's 30,000 empty hotel rooms um, since so few tourists are coming to town. And yet, um, last I looked, fewer than 1,000 were were being used. Do you think that the mayor is doing enough on that front? No, I mean, nobody's doing enough and it will will never be enough. Um, I think, but we also have to like, look at reality and San Francisco, at least my understanding is San Francisco is now providing uh, fully a quarter of the hotel rooms for unhoused people in California. We have 5%, we have 5% of the um, unhoused population. So we are, um, no, we're not doing enough, but are we doing more than other places? Absolutely. And that's, I think, pretty consistent with um, how we've you know, managed our uh, our homeless problem historically. We do more than other places. It's still not enough. Um, but I think that you know what is being kind of the kind of weekly resolution legislation 
appropriation or that sort of suggests that there is a uh, a fight and there is i guess a fight between the board and the mayor around these hotel rooms obscures the reality which is that the administration the city apparatus is working pretty aggressively to get hotel rooms online they've had some success um, they have moved about a thousand people, uh, unhoused people, into into hotel rooms, um, and are continuing to do that. Um, but there are a lot of logistical, practical problems around managing this whole new infrastructure. And um, you know, even before setting aside the issue of whether we're attracting people from other places who wrongly believe that they're going to get a hotel room, um, just you know, maintaining safety and providing those hotel rooms safely for the people who have to staff them, finding the staff for them. Um, you know, our our disaster service workers are people who are being redeployed from other departments. So a librarian finds themselves on the seventh floor of a hotel, um, responsible for monitoring. Um, uh, homeless folks who've been put into those hotel rooms, uh, keeping them safe, keeping herself safe. Um, you know, it's it's a tricky thing and it could be really done very, very badly and we don't want to do it badly. So I think it takes time. And um, and the nice thing about being on the Board of Supervisors is um, we can it, we can urge, but we can't do. You know, we, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating, but it's, it's all the reality is the rubber meets the road on the executive right now. They're the folks who have to actually make these, um, make these programs work and we don't. Um, so I think, you know, it would be, we should continue to push and also have a little bit of understanding about that things don't happen overnight. I'll be right back with Supervisor Raphael Mandelman. I'm Heather Knight, and I'm back with Supervisor Raphael Mandelman. You've been appointed to the San Francisco Economic Recovery Task Force, and I think you had your first meeting recently. Um, What do you think our recovery is going to look like? I know it's going to be bad, but how bad? I think the city budget is going to be brutal. Um, So, you know, we were not able to provide the services before that uh, met public needs and and that I feel like San Franciscans deserved. And I feel like it's, uh, you know, we're going to have even less money to work with coming out of this. I also think, though, that there are real opportunities to think about if we can streamline regulations, if we can make things easier for small businesses that are um, that are trying to open up or stay in business, if we can lighten the the governmental load for some of those um, for some of those folks, that would be a great thing. And I think, you know, um, we're going to have fewer resources, but I think we really do need to continue to prioritize um, dealing with, you know, homelessness, mental health, substance use. Um, you know, I don't think we should give up on mental health SF just because um, we have less money. I think it may mean we need to make deeper cuts in other places, but we cannot, con- you know, I just don't think we can continue to allow um, really sick people to stay on our streets. So I think we have to be creative. Um, and think about alternatives and maybe even alternatives that don't feel great, like sanctioned encampments, but we cannot um, just, you know, continue the way we were. Because if we continue the way we were with less money, it's going to be awful. So we need to be trying new approaches that we were not trying two months ago. Yeah. Speaking of which, you um, took me on a tour of the Castro a couple of months ago. Now it feels like a couple of years ago, but um, to show me how 17 people in your neighborhood who are very distressed, um, either through substance abuse or mental health issues or both, were just not being cared for and not getting any better. I wondered if you had any update on any of those 17 people. Only that I was in the Castro yesterday and I saw some of the same characters you and I saw. So um, I I don't suspect that we've made 
great progress on that list or on the larger list of folks. In fact, you know, psychiatric emergency services is on red now constantly. So they are they are keeping their population at 18 um, correctly. You know, what does that mean that they're on red? They're on red. They're not taking any, new, you know, they're not admitting new people. Um, they're diverting um, most of the time uh, because they just, they have to keep their census down. Um, so, I mean, they do admit, I guess there's some kind of turnover, but most of the time they, they don't have an empty space. Uh-huh. Um, so wow. um, that's, you know, and then in terms of like the treatment, pro- residential treatment programs, um, you know, are largely stuck in a similar way. They're not releasing people to the streets or they're trying not to, um, which means that there's not a flow, a lot of flow into those programs right now. Um, so people who are, who might be interested in seeking, uh, drug treatment are probably not getting it. Um, you know, people who need to be in, uh, you know, who need to be in receiving PES services are probably not you know, are, are having a hard time, um, get accessing them. Um, so it's, uh, it's tricky. I mean, you know, the pandemic is not making any of this easier. And then, you know, if we're, if we're leaving people on the streets, if we're not bringing people into shelters, um, you know, that just creates a whole lot, uh, you know, a whole lot more need. Um, and then we have 400 fewer people in the jails than were in the jails a couple months ago, which is, um, a good thing for for a public health perspective that you know reduces the risk of transmission within the jails but it means there are a whole lot of people um with you know who, who've done something and who have a yeah. um, and who have a, a many of them have a mental health problem um and yeah even in even in good times maybe jail isn't the right place for them but there's really no place for them now or there's fewer places for them. So I actually think that, you know, the, the weaknesses of our behavioral health services system that we had before are probably getting, you know, they've probably been exacerbated. Right. Um, on a similar front, you helped, um, get the first meth sobering site planned for the corner of Turk and Jones, but has that been put on hold? I wondered if you could give us an update. As far as I can tell, it is on hold. I've, we've asked for updates and department of public health understandably is, singularly focused on COVID-19 and has no capacity to pursue the sobering center for the moment. And we don't even have a date for, um, you know, when, when they might be able to do that. The, the hummingbird on Valencia street, um, uh, got slowed down, but still looks like it's going to be moving forward. But the sobering center in the tenderloin, um, doesn't seem to have, uh, doesn't seem to have a plan for moving forward right now. Okay. Well, I think we still all need to laugh and smile, so I yeah. hope you'd be up for our lightning round. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Uh, well, I loved La Taqueria, <laughs> but they're closed. <laughs> well, we can pretend when yeah. everything was open. <laughs> um, they were great. I, I, haven't, I don't think I've had a burrito since Shelter in Place. Oh, I don't think I have either. Yeah. We'll have to fix that. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Oh. Well, does the birds count? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Where is your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? Also thinking back before Shelter in Place. Um, you know, I'm not much of a drinker. I'm kind of a Diet Coke kind of guy, but, um, <laughs> where uh, do you like to get your Diet Cokes? I, um, well, I like, uh, I, I, I like high tops. It's a great bar. 
Um, and actually, if I'm looking for a ginger beer, I'll go to Blackbird. Okay. Yeah. What was your first concert? My first concert was a Bjork concert in New Haven, Connecticut, when I, when I was in college. Wow, nobody has said Bjork. That is <laughs> I, the first. It may be a generational thing. <laughs> what was the last book you read? The last book that I read? Um, God. <laughs> I've become a... Um, what is... Uh, Hold on. <laughs> I'm just from I'm I'm <laughs> I'm blanking on the name. Um but I've clearly uh we can come back to it. It's a biography of Roger Casement. Um and it was written by Maria by Mario Vargas Llosa. Uh, and the name is hold on. This is requiring a Google. <laughs> it's the dream of the I Celt. I can hear you Googling. Yeah, there it is. It's the dream of the Celt. All right. Roger, Roger Casement was a, uh, a, an Irish uh, revolutionary who was also a closeted gay man. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And was killed um, by, uh, by the British. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite small business in the Castro? Oh, Cliff's Variety, I think. Mm-hmm. They're they're just uh, they're amazing in all times, but I think uh, right now in in the pandemic they've become a lifeline for so many people, um, yeah. and they're and they're managing their social distancing so well, and um, they're really doing a great job. And it's you know an old it's a San Francisco family has owned it for a long time, and they're just great. Cool. Do you like supervisor meetings better in person or on Zoom? Oh, I much prefer them in person. <laughs> I actually I find I find Zoom incredibly enervating. Um, there's something very uh, tiring about spending a whole lot of time in a meeting with other people who you aren't actually with. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> sick of Zoom already. Um, what are you most looking forward to about shelter in place ending? What would be the first thing you do that you are not allowed to do now? Uh hug people who are who you know at least those folks who want to hug um (laughs) you know i just think like this i have been going on some socially distant walks with friends um but we you know we maintain our six feet and it's just you know it'll be nice to like actually be able to engage with people (laughs) yeah i know last question what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day I try to p- p- get some exercise in. Um, so whether it's a walk or a run, um, that might be you know an answer to your last question. I really I'd like to get back to the gym. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I miss uh, you know I miss fitness activities, yoga class, that kind of stuff. But um, but even in shelter in place, I you know I try to get out, go for a walk, um, do something that you know gets my heart heart rate up a little bit at least. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was good to talk to you. Good talking to you, Heather. Thank you to Supervisor Mandelman for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 